This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Relenting of Sarnidac, The Jest of the Gods, and The Dreams of the Prophet, from Time and the Gods, by Lord Dunsany. The Relenting of Sarnidac the lame boy Sarnidac tended sheep on a hill to the southward of the city. Sarnidac was a dwarf, and greatly derided in the city, for the women said, It is very funny that Sarnidac is a dwarf, and they would point their fingers at him, saying, This is Sarnidac, he is a dwarf, also he is very lame. Once the doors of all the temples in the world swung open to the morning, and Sarnidac, with his sheep upon the hill, saw strange figures going down the white road, always southwards. All the morning he saw the dust rising above the strange figures, and always they went southward, right as far as the rim of the Nidun hills, where the white road could be seen no more. And the figures stooped and seemed to be larger than men, but all men seemed very large to Sarnidac and he could not see clearly through the dust, and Sarnidac shouted to them as he hailed all people that passed down the long white road, and none of the figures looked to the left or to the right, and none of them turned to answer Sarnidac. But then few people ever answered him, because he was lame, and a small dwarf. Still the figures went striding swiftly, stooping forward through the dust, till at last Sarnidac came running down his hill to watch them closer. As he came to the white road, the last of the figures passed him, and Sarnidac ran limping behind him down the road. For Sarnidac was weary of the city wherein all derided him, and when he saw these figures all hurrying away, he thought that they went perhaps to some other city beyond the hills over which the sun shone brighter, or where there was more food, for he was poor, even perhaps where people had not the custom of laughing at Sarnidac. So this procession of figures that stooped and seemed larger than men went southward down the road, and a lame dwarf hobbled behind them. Khamazan, now called the city of the last of temples, lies southward of the Nidun hills. This is the story of Pompeides, now chief prophet of the only temple in the world, and greatest of all the prophets that have been. On the slopes of Nidun I was seated once above Khamazan. There I saw figures in the morning striding through much dust along the road that leads across the world. Striding up the hill they came towards me, not with the gait of men, and soon the first one came to the crest of the hill where the road dips to find the plains again, where lies Khamazan. And now I swear by all the gods that are gone, that this thing happened as I shall say it, and was surely so. When those that came striding up the hill came to its summit, they took not the road that goes down into the plains, nor trod the dust any longer, but went straight on and upwards, striding as they strode before, as though the hill had not ended, nor the road dipped and they strode as though they trod no yielding substance, yet they stepped upwards through the air. This the gods did, 
for they were not born men who strode that day so strangely away from earth. But I, when I saw this thing, when already three had passed me leaving earth, cried out before the fourth, Gods of my childhood, guardians of little homes, whither are ye going, leaving the round earth to swim alone and forgotten in so great a waste of sky? And one answered, Heresy apace shoots her fierce glare over the world, and men's faith grows dim and the gods go. Men shall make iron gods and gods of steel when the wind and the ivy meet within the shrines of the temples of the gods of old. And I left that place as a man leaves fire by night, and going plainwards down the white road that the gods spurned, cried out to all that I passed to follow me, and so crying came to the city's gates, and there I shouted to all near the gates, From yonder hilltop the gods are leaving earth. Then I gathered many, and we all hastened to the hill to pray the gods to tarry, and there we cried out to the last of the departing gods, Gods of old prophecy and of men's hopes, leave not the earth, and all our worship shall hum about your ears as never it hath before, and off the sacrifice shall squeal upon your altars. And I said, Gods of still evenings and quiet nights, go not from earth, and leave not your carven shrines, and all men shall worship you still, for between us and yonder still blue spaces oft roam the thunder and the storms. There in his hiding lurks the dark eclipse, and there are stored all snows and hails and lightnings that shall vex the earth for a million years. Gods of our hope, how shall men's prayers, crying from empty shrines, pass through such terrible spaces? How shall they ever fare above the thunder and many storms, to whatever place the gods may go in that blue waste beyond? But the gods bent straight forward, and trampled through the sky, and looked not to the right, nor left, nor downwards, nor ever heeded my prayer. And one cried out, hoping yet to stay the gods, though nearly all were gone, saying, O gods, rob not the earth of the dim hush that hangs round all your temples. Bereave not all the world of old romance. Take not the glamour from the moonlight, nor tear the wonder out of the white mists in every land. For, O ye gods of the childhood of the world, when you have left the earth, you shall have taken the mystery from the sea, and all its glory from antiquity, and you shall have wrenched out hope from the dim future. There shall be no strange cries at night-time, half understood, nor songs in the twilight, and the whole of wonder shall have died with last year's flowers in the little gardens or hill-slopes leaning south. For with the gods must go the enchantment of the plains, and all the magic of dark woods, and something shall be lacking from the quiet of early dawn. For it would scarce befit the gods to leave the earth, and not take with them that which they had given it. Out beyond the still blue spaces ye will need the holiness of sunset for yourselves, and little sacred memories, and the thrill that is in stories told by firesides long ago. One strain of music, one song, one line of poetry, and one kiss, and a memory of one pool with rushes, and each one the best shall the gods take to whom the best belongs, when the gods go. Sing a lamentation, people of Khamazan, sing a lamentation for all the children of earth at the feet of the departing gods, 
sing a lamentation for the children of earth, who now must carry their prayers to empty shrines, and around empty shrines must rest at last. Then, when our prayers were ended and our tears shed, we beheld the last and smallest of the gods halted upon the hilltop. Twice he called to them, with a cry somewhat like the cry wherewith our shepherds hail their brethren, and long gazed after them, and then deigned to look no longer, and to tarry upon earth and turn his eyes on men. Then a great shout went up when we saw that our hopes were saved, and that there was still on earth a haven for our prayers. Smaller than men now seemed the figures that had loomed so big, as one behind the other, far over our heads, they still strode upwards. But the small god that had pitied the world came with us down the hill, still deigning to tread the road, though strangely, not as men tread, and into Khamazan. There we housed him in the palace of the king, for that was before the building of the temple of gold, and the king made sacrifice before him with his own hands, and he that had pitied the world did eat the flesh of the sacrifice. And the book of the knowledge of the gods in Khamazan tells how the small god that pitied the world told his prophets that his name was Sarnidak, and that he herded sheep, and that therefore he is called the shepherd god, and sheep are sacrificed upon his altars thrice a day, and the north, east, west, and the south are the four hurdles of Sarnidak, and the white clouds are his sheep. And the book of the knowledge of the gods tells further how the day on which Pompeides found the gods shall be kept for ever as a fast until the evening, and called the fast of the departing. But in the evening shall a feast be held, which is named the Feast of the Relenting, for on that evening Sarnidak pitied the whole world and tarried. And the people of Khamazan all prayed to Sarnidak, and dreamt their dreams, and hoped their hopes, because their temple was not empty. Whether the gods that are departed be greater than Sarnidak, none know in Khamazan, but some believe that in their azure windows they have set lights, that lost prayers swarming upwards may come to them like moths, and at last find haven and light, far up above the evening and the stillness, where sit the gods. But Sarnidak wondered at the strange figures, at the people of Khamazan, and at the palace of the king, and the customs of the prophets, but wondered not more greatly at aught in Khamazan than he had wondered at the city which he had left. For Sarnidak, who had not known why men were unkind to him, thought that he had found at last the land for which the gods had let him hope, where men should have the custom of being kind to Sarnidak. End of The Relenting of Sarnidak The Jest of the Gods Once the older gods had need of laughter, therefore they made the soul of a king, and set in it ambitions greater than kings should have, and lust for territories beyond the lust of other kings, and in this soul they set strength beyond the strength of others, and fierce desire for power, and a strong pride. Then the gods pointed earthward, and sent that soul into the fields of men, to live in the body of a slave, and the slave grew, 
and the pride and lust for power began to arise in his heart, and he wore shackles on his arms. Then in the fields of twilight the gods prepared to laugh. But the slave went down to the shore of the great sea, and cast his body away and the shackles that were upon it, and strode back to the fields of twilight, and stood up before the gods, and looked them in their faces. This thing the gods, when they had prepared to laugh, had not foreseen. Lust for power burnt strong in that king's soul, and there was all the strength and pride in it that the gods had placed therein. And he was too strong for the older gods. He whose body had borne the lashes of men could brook no longer the dominion of the gods, and standing before them he bade the gods to go. Up to their lips leapt all the anger of the older gods, being for the first time commanded. But the king's soul faced them still, and their anger died away, and they averted their eyes. Then their thrones became empty, and the fields of twilight bare, as the gods slunk far away. But the soul chose new companions. End of Jest of the Gods The Dreams of the Prophet 1. When the gods drave me forth to toil, and assailed me with thirst, and beat me down with hunger, then I prayed to the gods. When the gods smote the cities wherein I dwelt, and when their anger scorched me, and their eyes burnt, then did I praise the gods and offer sacrifice. But when I came again to my green land, and found that all was gone, and the old mysterious haunts wherein I prayed as a child were gone, and when the gods tore up the dust, and even the spider's web from the last remembered nook, then did I curse the gods, speaking it to their faces, saying, Gods of my prayers, gods of my sacrifice, because ye have forgotten the sacred places of my childhood, and they have therefore ceased to be, yet may I not forget. Because ye have done this thing, ye shall see cold altars, and shall lack both my fear and praise. I shall not wince at your lightnings, nor be awed when ye go by. Then looking seawards, I stood and cursed the gods, and at this moment there came to me one in the garb of a poet, who said, Curse not the gods. And I said to him, Wherefore should I not curse those that have stolen my sacred places in the night, and trodden down the gardens of my childhood? And he said, Come, and I will show thee. And I followed him to where two camels stood with their faces towards the desert, and we set out, and I travelled with him for a great space, he speaking never a word. And so we came at last to a waste valley hid in the desert's midst, and herein, like fallen moons, I saw vast ribs that stood up white out of the sand, higher than the hills of the desert. And here and there lay the enormous shapes of skulls, like the white marble domes of palaces built for tyrannous kings a long while since, by armies of driven slaves. Also there lay in the desert other bones, the bones of vast legs and arms, against which the desert, like a besieging sea, ever advanced and already had half drowned. And as I gazed in wonder at these colossal things, the poet said to me, The gods are dead and I gazed long in silence, and I said, These fingers, that are now so dead and so very white and still, tore once the flowers in the gardens of my youth. 
but my companion said to me, I have brought thee here to ask of thee thy forgiveness of the gods, for I, being a poet, knew the gods, and would fain drive off the curses that hover above their bones, and bring them men's forgiveness as an offering at the last, that the weeds and the ivy may cover their bones from the sun. And I said, They made remorse, with his fur grey like a rainy evening in the autumn, with many rending claws, and pain with his hot hands and lingering feet, and fear like a rat with two cold teeth, carved each out of the ice of either pole, and anger with the swift flight of the dragonfly in summer, having burning eyes. I will not forgive these gods. But the poet said, Canst thou be angry with these beautiful white bones? And I looked long at those curved and beautiful bones that were no longer able to hurt the smallest creature in all the worlds that they had made, and I thought long of the evil that they had done, and also of the good. But when I thought of their great hands coming red and wet from battles to make a primrose for a child to pick, then I forgave the gods. And a gentle rain came falling out of heaven and stilled the restless sand, and a soft green moss grew suddenly and covered the bones, till they looked like strange green hills, and I heard a cry and awoke, and found that I had dreamt, and looking out of my house into the street, I found that a flash of lightning had killed a child. Then I knew that the gods still lived. 2. I lay asleep in the poppy fields of the gods in the valley of Alderon, where the gods come by night to meet together in council when the moon is low, and I dreamt that this was the secret. Fate and chance had played their game and ended, and all was over, all the hopes and tears, regrets, desires and sorrows, things that men wept for, and unremembered things, and kingdoms, and little gardens, and the sea, and the worlds, and the moons, and the suns, and what remained was nothing, having neither colour nor sound. Then said fate to chance, Let us play our old game again. And they played it again together, using the gods as pieces, as they had played it oft before, so that those things which have been shall all be again, and under the same bank in the same land a sudden glare of sing-light on the same spring day shall bring the same daffodil to bloom once more, and the same child shall pick it, and not regretted shall be the billion years that fell between, and the same old faces shall be seen again, yet not bereaved of their familiar haunts, and you and I shall in a garden meet again upon an afternoon in summer, when the sun stands midway between his zenith and the sea, where we have met oft before. For fate and chance play but one game together, with every move the same, and they play it oft to while eternity away. End of Dreams of the Prophet